Welcome to the Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to the Soft Life Baddies. This is officially kicking off season three of the podcast. Again, I want to just welcome all of you back for coming every single week. I'm having such a great time recording these episodes with you and having these conversations, both online and offline. So if you love the show and you have listened up until this point, please leave a review on Spotify and Apple. Unlike social media, podcasts are a little bit different, whereas We really do rely on ratings and reviews in order to boost the podcast. So if this show has been part of your morning routine or your night routine or your daily commute, all I would ask and really appreciate is if you would leave a review and a rating on Spotify and Apple, especially because this really helps to boost our podcast to other listeners and let the algorithm do its magic. Um, So today's episode is all about lucky girl syndrome, and manifestation, affirmations, and rewriting your narrative. I want to talk about this episode in particular, this topic in particular, because not only is it trending, I think it's very interesting. And it's also quite a contrast of last week's episode, which was all about embracing your flop era. So in last week's episode, I talked about my firsthand experiences with failure, rejection, and loss what a flop era actually is, and how you can redirect after facing rejection. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, definitely give it a listen. So if you've been on TikTok or social media um, pretty heavily, or maybe you've seen it through other people sharing, Lucky Girl Syndrome is this new hashtag, this new trend that a lot of people are sharing. And if you don't know what that is, essentially Lucky Girl Syndrome is all about manifestation and the law of assumption. So essentially, it's the belief that positive thinking will help you to achieve your goals. And so for those of you who don't know who what law of assumption is, the law of assumption is an abstract metaphysical theory. And it's a theory that maintains that what we assume to be true is what will eventually manifest. So these kind of these two things go hand in hand, lucky girl syndrome and the law of assumption. I honestly think lucky girl syndrome is repackaged law of assumption. And it purposes that our assumptions about life have immense power to positively or negatively impact the fulfillment of our wishes and desires. So I thought about lucky girl syndrome and how it's, you know, essentially this repackaged law of assumption and what that means for me, what it means to people um, that are also kind of on this wellness journey or people who are just curious about manifestation. And I thought about the ways that manifestation and rewriting my own narrative has influenced me in my life in so many ways. I think there's definitely pros and cons to manifesting. Um, And I say manifesting in the way that it's shared widely or or as we as a society or communities know manifestation to be and that's you know thinking positive thoughts or setting intentions and allowing god the universe or whatever your source or your higher power being is 
allowing that force to align circumstances and opportunities in your life so that you can live your best life, right? We have seen this time and time again, whether it's through TikTok, whether it's through podcasts, books, movies, everything. We are not new to manifestation and what it what it does to people, for people, whether it's true or not. I truly think that this is a little bit more of a metaphysical conversation than a spiritual conversation because there's people who are not spiritually inclined or religious at all, and they still do believe in manifestation or positive affirmation. So if you're into a little woo-woo and you're into a little, you know, kind of the mystery that is manifestation or luck as you would have it, then keep listening because this episode is definitely for you. So I really want to preface this by saying that manifestation and um, kind of thinking your way out of a situation or having positive thinking, a lot of it is rooted sometimes in ableism or, you know, it is rooted in an idea that this type of thinking is only for certain people. I also want to emphasize that you cannot manifest your way out of racism out of ableism, out of violence, out of violent structures or systemic structures. So I want to be very, very crystal clear that if you are in a situation right now that is harmful to you and your well-being, I really don't want this to come across as obtuse or I don't want this to come across as negligent of seeing the people that are going through situations that really need true resources and help. So again, taking this conversation with a grain of salt, taking it from a point of view of someone who, you know, assuming that your basic needs are met and again, framing it in the way that this conversation is fluid. Maybe you come back to this conversation a year from now or two years from now or however fits you best, but just listen with open ears and an open mind because I know when I was starting my my healing journey about 10 years ago, I would listen to certain things and it just didn't resonate at the time. And that's okay. I don't want you to blame yourself when things don't work out in your favor or if you are currently in a situation that is not working out in your favor and for your well-being. I really want to start off with the foundation of talking about our needs as human beings. I think one of the best ways to frame this conversation is through using the visual of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you are a psychology slash sociology slash anthropology nerd like myself, you are probably familiar with this visual. Essentially, it's a pyramid. And it's by um, the scholar philosopher Maslow, and he designed this pyramid to show what our our basic needs are as humans. So just similar to the the food pyramid, you start at the bottom of the pyramid. And this basic pyramid, it's just a simple triangle, at the bottom of it is our physiological needs. So it's food, water, shelter, all of those very basic oxygen, fundamental needs that we all need as humans, no matter who we are, where we are, we all need these physiological needs, right? Then the next level after our physiological needs is safety. So safety in in form of, I think shelter is also a form of safety. I also think that shelter is a basic human right. Um, So shelter in the form of, of 
safety, safety in the form of shelter, I mean, and safety in the form of being safe from the elements, um, whether it's rain or extreme weather, having a safety or a safe environment, also physical safety from violence, um, from any other form of violence, having that safety that allows you to be comforted and allows you to operate as a human being. After safety is belonging and love. So that sense of familiarity, the connection that we have with our community, the connection we have with our family members, our friends, our loved ones, that belonging and love, romantic relationships, partnerships, connections, that is a need as a human being, believe it or not. It's not just something that we can opt in and out of, although, of course, we have autonomy over the types of relationships we have in our life. Belonging and love is a basic human need that we all require as human beings. After belonging and love is esteem. So that is your confidence as a person. That's your self-esteem, your self-worth, your value, how you feel about yourself, how you look at yourself in the mirror, how you look at yourself and how you walk, how you talk. Your esteem with yourself is a need that we need in order to thrive as human beings. Then you have your cognitive functions, how your brain works, how you perceive things, your intellect, how much how much you're reading and consuming information, how you digest information, how you think, your rest. That's all cognitive needs. Then you have your aesthetics. So if you know what an aesthetic is, your aesthetic is your your visual environment in, in the way that you find pleasant. It's the types of clothes you wear, it's how you style your hair, it's you know how you get your nails. Are you a short nail, nail girly or are you a long almond shaped whatever? <laughs> you know, your aesthetic is how you design your world as you see fit. And that is also a need because that is what gives us our individuality as human beings. Then after that, we have self-actualization. Self-actualization is the ability to live our lives to the optimal fullest based on having all of those needs already met. And there's a reason why self-actualization is is the second to last tip of a pyramid because self-actualization is the ability to live at our dreams. It's, it's having the job that you want. It's having the career you want. It's having the lifestyle that allows you to be your fullest. It's being able to travel. Those are moments and experiences of self-actualization. And the last and very tip of the pyramid is transcendence. So transcendence is being able to connect to God, to spirit, to the divine, to your most high. Transcendence is being able to withstand tribulations and challenges of life despite having obstacles thrown in your way. Transcendence is having willpower. It's having strength. It's having resilience. And I think that this framework is really important because it allows us to establish like our basic needs having to be met. So that's why I think when talking about manifestation, I think it's really important not to be obtuse about it. Again, I think it's important to be practical and understand that if your basic needs are not being met, it's very difficult or if not only impossible for you to have this dream life or or to be able to tap into positive thinking. And if I had to if I had to place 
manifestation or lucky girl syndrome in this in this pyramid, I would put it at the very top. I would put it between self-actualization and transcendence. So I just want to show you that this is a very, it's, it's not necessarily a sophisticated way of thinking because people have been thinking about this for years. If you go back to even, you know, before modern technology, people have been talking about this for centuries. Everything is, nothing's original, as we know. Everything gets repackaged, right? So I would place lucky girl syndrome right in between self-actualization and transcendence. Also, I will have this visual um, shared on our socials so you can actually see it for yourself and, you know, dive deeper into what this means visually if you're a visually, um, if you're a visual person like myself. So first, I want to share that reshaping your mindset cannot happen overnight. We absolutely need time. We need to give ourselves patience in order for our mindset to change overnight. It's not going to happen in one day or two days. This type of work and this type of um, narrative rewriting is going to take years. I know for me, it it took a full 10 years for me to really change my thinking about how I felt about myself, the world, my relationships. It took years. It took therapy. It took crying. It took shadow work. It took prayer. It took begging and pleading for my higher self to show up for God to allow me to move through some of these really challenging moments that I have in my life. And I think always remembering that this is not supposed to be this overnight process. And I know that sometimes social media can frame it that way, that things can just happen really quickly. And, you know, you might even see clickbait type of conversations or topics about, um, how to manifest something overnight or how to manifest your dream career tomorrow. That's honestly probably unrealistic. So always keeping in mind that this is something that's going to take a lot of time. We absolutely need our basic needs met before we can really start to tap into this work and find it to be valuable and helpful. Just the same way, you know, when you're 16, 17 years old or even younger and you're start, you're first starting out with your first job, you might be working an hourly job. You might be working in retail or you might be working, you know, at Starbucks or whatever your case is or as a babysitter. In my case, I, I started working as a babysitter or as a daycare teacher when I was about 15 or 14 years old. And then over time, obviously, my career choices became more and more aligned with what I wanted to do long term. Um, and that also happened after, you know, I got my degrees and I pursued different industries. And I just want to remind you that this is a process. So for me, at the time, I couldn't relate to certain content or certain information because it didn't apply to me at the time. That doesn't mean it never would, though. And in all honesty, therapy, and writing out affirmations helped me a lot, but nothing helped me more than getting out of survival mode financially. I cannot stress this enough. You cannot budget your way out of depression. You cannot budget your way out of feeling, you know, unable to take care of yourself. And I think it's really important to remind ourselves of this. I know I had to remind myself of this a lot, that when I really started to live in a way that I felt was full and in a way that I felt was exhilarating and, and really affirmed what I wanted out of life, 
that didn't really happen until I was able to get out of that survival mode financially and start really taking control over how my life was being lived out essentially. So again, this is something that I have thought about a lot. I've thought about like who I was when I was 20 versus how I am now at 30 years old and how much has changed over time. So I also want to touch on the fact that lucky girl syndrome, um, I want to make the distinction between lucky girl syndrome and, you know, what we might know as toxic positivity or spiritual bypassing. Those are both topics that I want to get into later because I think both of those conversations really should be a deep dive. But just as a quick overview, I think that toxic toxic positivity is when you are telling somebody to just be positive when they're in the pits of like the depths of the hardest moments of their life or really challenging moments, right? If somebody lost a loved one, you wouldn't just tell them, oh, just get over it. They're fine. You know, they're not here anymore. You would be really sympathetic and try to be understanding. And I think there's a distinction between that. So again, with spiritual bypassing, where you use spirituality to kind of bypass these very real and tangible roadblocks that people might have in their life and just tell them that they're not praying hard enough or they're not, you know, doing the certain practice or the certain ritual hard enough. Again, don't ignore the basic concepts that really are cause and effect of how certain circumstances in our life come to be. I want to paint a picture first of me in my early 20s, because I think this is really going to help folks who are new again to the podcast or just who might be in a different predicament. I, in my early 20s, when I was about 22, 23 years old, I just started grad school again. And um, with that, I had to make the decision if I wanted to be employed during grad school or if I wanted to just do school full time and focus on school. And I opted to focus on school since this was a two year program. I really wanted to focus in and be as present as possible for this new chapter that I was going to embark in. And that meant being unemployed for over two years. So while being unemployed, I was living off of my student loans. Literally, I was working as a nanny in the Upper West Side in New York. And I would alternate between babysitting two really lovely families, actually. They were both really, really sweet. Um, But that was my life for the first good chunk of my 20s is me hustling and and living in New York City, um, not really having much money, not having much disposable income either, and just really just trying to focus on school and, and hopefully get a job afterwards, which I did. But that was my reality. I didn't have disposable income to go travel or to buy clothes that I thought were more suitable for myself. I honestly didn't even have disposable income to live in a home or an apartment that I really wanted to at the time because it just was out of my it was out of my reach it was not something affordable to me and I don't think that should have been the case I would hope that you know life would have been a little bit easier if housing was more affordable and other basic needs were just more 
accessible to me. But unfortunately, that was not my reality. And despite how I looked or was perceived on the outside, you know, I tried my best. I didn't have a lot to go off of. And being first generation American, I also can't, I couldn't rely on my parents to fund my entire lifestyle. You know, they helped me as much as they could to an extent. I will always be grateful for that. However, there's only so much that they can do when they also have a lot of other obligations and responsibilities to take care of. So despite how I was looked at or perceived on the outside, I felt like I had very low self-esteem and self-worth. And I shared this on my Instagram story the other day, and a lot of people resonated with me sharing this part of my kind of um, my my upbringing and my my personal healing journey because I consider that to be some of the toughest times in my life. Like I mentioned, not having a lot of disposable income and kind of living just paycheck to paycheck and 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 having to rely on on very limited streams of income to get by in New York City is challenging. And I know a lot of people, if you are living in a, in a big city like New York or LA or wherever, you know how challenging it could be to live day by day and just kind of keep going in order to survive. And I, I think for me, I was still very much in survival mode when it came to my day to day. And one thing I do want to share is that although I was in this really dark moment and era of my life, and this was in 2016, by the way, at like 2016, early 2017, just as a frame of mind, just about six years ago, I consider that 2017 my peak flop era. And I remember writing down these affirmations and it was as if I didn't even know if this was going to be true or not one day I honestly thought I was just trying to write my way out of feeling so low and feeling so sad but one thing that I am really grateful is that I listened to this voice in my head and it said to write down these affirmations and write them down on paper and I will never forget it was July 11th 2017 and I wrote several affirmations down, but I want to share three of them with you. And I also shared this on my Instagram story. And a lot of people said, wow, I screenshot this and I saved this because this is really helpful and really powerful. And I want to share them with you. So one affirmation that I started to rewrite to change my narrative and change my way of thinking of how I felt at the time was I replaced sadness, loneliness and hopelessness and negativity with joyfulness, fullness, gratefulness, and positivity. I wrote this affirmation because that's how I felt at the at the time. I felt really sad, very lonely, very hopeless. I felt just pretty negative about my existence. I was also at this time in and out of toxic relationships. I was not giving myself the care that I needed mentally, physically, emotionally at all. I feel like this is a different person looking back now because of how much has changed and how much I really do try to embrace softness and lean into those traits of joyfulness, fullness, gratefulness, and positivity. But again, I couldn't really do any of that until I was able to get out of this survival mode that I was in mentally, financially, physically. This affirmation, however, was something that I 
would tell myself every single day for years. And I would write it down in, on, on places where I would see them and know I would see them. And it would be a constant reminder that even though this is my reality, I want to replace these feelings with something better. I think that is the key thing is I had such a warped view of myself and the world, but somehow I knew, I said, I know that this, something has to be better. There has, there has to be something that gives better than this. Because if I know that life isn't main, isn't meant to be this hurtful, this painful, this negative, there has to be a better way out. So, you know, right now I'm going to just write down what I really hope for one day. Maybe one day it'll happen. So that was the first affirmation I wrote out. And I can honestly say with full transparency, even though it took me a long time to realize this affirmation, I did eventually realize it. And I I really think that even though it took me a long time and, you know, there were times I, I doubted it, I can say with confidence now that I do center joy. I do center fullness. I do center gratitude and positivity in my life. And I know it's because not only I took the time to write this down and really set an intention behind it, I also had support. I had support from my support system, from my community, from my relationships, from my family, from doing a lot of deep digging and doing the work that would push me forward to make this feel like my reality eventually. The second affirmation that I wrote down was, I choose healthy thoughts on a daily basis and guard my conscience against the negative influences I've absorbed and I'm exposed to. This is a really interesting affirmation for me because I, at this time, was dealing with a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of internal battles, a lot of beating myself up, feeling down, feeling a lot of shame about who I am and being really kind of almost embarrassed at the fact that, oh, well, I'm 22, I'm 23, I should be able to afford this, I should be able to do this. And I just couldn't, like that was not my reality at the time. And and what was happening is that instead of me looking at it from a really objective point of view of, you are a grad school student, no, you don't have a lot of money because you're working, you're not working, you're in school full time. And you don't come from an inheritance where you can just ask your parents for thousands of dollars to help fund your lifestyle, unfortunately. So looking at it objectively was not what I was doing at the time. I was internalizing what was happening to me as a direct failure versus it being a reflection of the circumstance of the socioeconomic circumstance that I was in. So what I was doing is internalizing these negative thoughts, really beating myself up, really allowing negativity to be kind of my baseline. And so the fact that I was able to write back in 2017 that I choose healthy thoughts on a daily basis and I guard my conscience against the negative influences I've absorbed and I'm exposed to, I think for me that really was my way of trying to guard myself in my mind and my conscious and my thoughts 
because your thoughts become your habits and your habits become your lifestyle. So in order for me to create that distinction, I had to start thinking about what, how I was participating in my own negative circumstances. And when I say participate, I mean this in my reality, these things, these negative things were happening to me, whether it was dealing with someone toxic that I was dating, whether it was my finances, whether it was my housing situation, whatever the negative influence was, instead of me internalizing it, I had to learn how to distinguish that this is happening around me and to me, but that doesn't mean that I am a bad person. That does not mean that I am the person that deserves to be beat down and and beating myself up because of these situations. I think being honest with, you know, if if I was, for example, entertaining somebody that was not respecting me or was not treating me with respect, I knew that it was up to me to make that decision to cut that off in my life and not have that be a consistent outlet in my life. However, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of self-awareness to do that. And sometimes when you're in the thick of it, it's really difficult to come out of it and 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 look at yourself and say, okay, what 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 is my mess versus the mess around me? So having that type of approach really helped me and allowed me to take accountability for what areas in my life I was continuing a negativity to be spilled out or spewed out. And then also still working towards having a better quality of life in general and asking for help, asking for resources. This is around the time I also started going to therapy for the very first time. And this, me going to therapy, me starting to read more books that could help me and allow me to rewrite my narrative this was some of the ways that this, the actionable items that I took in order to later manifest having a healthy um, and a, a more well-rounded point of view in my life. And the last affirmation I want to share with you that I wrote at this time was, I allow positive opportunities without limit to flourish in my life. This affirmation is one of my favorites because when I wrote that down, I knew in my reality that that was not the case. However, I, I, I dug so deep because I knew I wanted to have a better experience in my life. I wanted to feel joyful. I wanted to feel those positive experiences. I wanted to be proud of myself. And I wanted to allow positive opportunities to keep multiplying. If I was able to get a job or I was able to, you know, do something that I had been wanting to do for a very long time and it finally worked out, I didn't want that to be the only scenario where I was grateful or the only scenario where things worked out for me. I wanted that to continue to be a testimony and to to be an experience that I was going to have over and over and over again and allowing opportunities, positive opportunities without limit to flourish in my life was me planting the seed that despite wherever I am right now, I want these positive opportunities. I want to have experiences that are fruitful, that are meaningful, 
I want to have love that is meaningful and deep and friendships that are meaningful and deep and just continue having these positive opportunities without limit to flourish in my life. So now I want to share three examples of what I would call my experiences with lucky girl syndrome. So (laughs) the first experience is feels almost too good to be true, but I, again, this is why I think having a positive mindset or choosing positive thoughts when you can is so helpful and it's so useful, especially when you're going through something that is really difficult and really tough. Of course, having the resources to actually make your situation better is 100%. That is the key. But going back and just starting with the thought itself, these are three examples of when I feel like I was very, very guided, very protected, and really tapped into having that positive output in life. So the first was (laughs) very recent. If you're a close friend of mine, I've probably told you this story already. Um, But if you're hearing it for the first time, um, this situation happened actually only two months ago. So when I was coming back from my trip to Paris for my birthday, I was leaving the we were leaving Paris and we were at the airport And, you know, when you're traveling, you have all your stuff, you have your carry-on, you have your backpack, your tote bag, whatever you have, right? So I had my tote bag with me at the time, and I was at the gate, at the gate checking in my bags. And at the time, I had all my stuff in one bag. I had my laptop, my my MacBook, I had my iPad, my jewelry, uh my airpods like all my all my like personal items that i my valuable items i I kept in this tote bag so this tote bag um i had on me you know on my shoulder and i got distracted i'll be honest with you i got distracted i think i being jet lagged combined with kind of rushing through the airport combined with having all these multiple checkpoints and going through tsa all these things I lost that bag, y'all. I lost that bag. It took me three to five minutes to realize that my bag was missing. So this is in Paris, by the way, if I <laughs> didn't mention that already. So I'm in a different country and I just lost all of my viable, my valuable items. Thankfully and thank God, I didn't lose my passport because I gave my passport to my man and he was holding my passport for me. And that's how I was able to get back (laughs) to the United States. But I almost put my passport in that bag. I lost my wallet. Everything, everything was in that bag. I freaked out. I had a full panic attack. Literally, I was crying. I was freaking out. We only had about an hour and a half before we started to board our flight. Had all my stuff with me. Um, we went to the police and unfortunately they didn't really do much, um, to help out in the situation. They, they told us that if we wanted to file a police report, it was going to take a couple hours, which we would most likely miss our flight. I really didn't want to miss our flight. I was already just so anxious being in another country, having lost my stuff. I try to backtrack 
and go back to where I thought I had lost my my belongings. But again, I was so anxious and so panicked that I wasn't even taking time to look around my surroundings and check to see if I was even the right gate because turns out it was a completely different gate than the one I was at. Long story short, we get on the flight. I, before we actually sit down to board the flight, I'm still extremely upset at this time. Very, very upset. Very, you know, anxious, just as anybody would. If they just lost all your valuables at the same time in a different country, you're going to be upset. I was so panicked, but I literally prayed and I said, God, please just take care of this. And I, I I actually said, thank you in advance. Thank you for returning my stuff in advance. Thank you for returning all my belongings to me in advance. I'm leaving the rest up to God. Like I literally was like, you know what? At this point, I have nothing left in me. I literally just need to give it up and pray and hope that I get my stuff back. So Thankfully, my my man, he was able to file a, a lost property report for me um, on his on his phone. And so because I also had my phone on me, but I didn't have a lot of my other belongings. Um, so he he filled out the missing I had a pro- missing property report on his phone. And when we got back to New York City. I was still very much devastated and just hoping and praying and just kind of, again, sending this, this prayer to God and this, this positive outlook and outcome that everything was going to work out. So what I did was, um, after we filled out the police report, I was waiting and waiting to see if we would get a response. And I kept checking the find my, find my iPad feature on my, on my outlook, um, not my outlook on my, uh, on my, my phone. I was checking to see if anything showed up and it did show that my AirPods were still at the terminal that I was last at. So I was like, okay, well, that's a good sign. That means that they probably weren't stolen because they they would be off the grid by now. So kept checking, kept checking. It, It hadn't moved since we even got back from Paris. And so I was just checking and checking and checking to see if these would things would show up, if there would be an update from the missing property items um, team at the, from the airport. And so finally, Monday, or this is about two days after we get back. Yeah, two days after we get back, we get an email that they found my stuff. They've identified it. All the things that I listened that were in that bag, they found it. I immediately was just so grateful. I was like, what are the odds that I lose my bag in an airport in one of the busiest airports in Europe, (laughs) in Paris, and all of my stuff is still intact. And so they shipped it to me. Um, I, you know, had to pay for shipping and everything, but that what I had to pay for shipping was nothing in comparison than me having to replace all the items that I'd lost. So it took a few weeks to get there, but eventually it did arrive back in New York City about three weeks afterwards. And that truly was one of the most bizarre yet crazy yet 
fascinating experiences I've had in my life. And I, I'm, I say this and I share this because I think it was a combination of obviously taking the practical steps to get my stuff back, but also releasing and relinquishing control of the situation. Because the fact of the matter is I got distracted. I lost track of my stuff. I lost it. Someone found it, assuming an employee from the airport found it and, you know, put it in the lost and found. But saying that prayer on the plane on my way back and just thanking God in advance for returning all of my stuff to me, I think that came from a place of just having a sense of peace that everything is going to work out. And if that's not lucky girl syndrome, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that was such a, and I'm, I'm not just saying lucky girl syndrome. It, it really was to me a proof of me having so much faith and being guided and protection, being, being guided and protected um, in my life and having prayer and having faith um, be a resource that I always lean into. So that experience really showed me how having a mindset and also doing the action items to get, you know, into a place of gratitude and thanking, thanking God in advance or thanking the universe or your higher power in advance for making these things happen and making it possible. That is a big lesson learned and also a lesson learned to pay attention to your surroundings, right? Like, I learned that the hard way, I learned not to be distracted, not to to let myself wander and to really be aware of my surroundings. So even though that that situation was negative and really was scary because I thought I was going to lose all my stuff and I honestly thought someone might have stolen it from me, but I'm just grateful that things did work out. I'm extremely grateful and thankful that at the end of the day, I have all my stuff back. I got my stuff back, thankfully, and I don't take it for granted. A second experience that I want to share about an experience that I've had that really showed me how writing things into existence and and speaking things into existence is really important and essential was when I started Saddy Baddies, I wanted to have my first event that same year. So I started Saddy Baddies in 2019. And I really wanted to have an event um, within the first year of starting it. And I was planning this event. Um, I wanted it to be either virtual or in person. But I wanted to have an event that was going to be very um, impactful and reach a lot of people. And so I was planning this out. I was writing out the deck for it. I was thinking about who I'd want to invite and who I'd want to be there and how I wanted it to be and all these things. And then what happens in 2020? The pandemic. So 2020, all of the hopes and dreams of me having this event and being in person was completely shut down. I still wrote out this deck, though, as if it was still happening. I still updated it. I would tweak it. I would always go back to it and and update it and change it. And I I told myself, I said, I know that one day I'm going to be able to have this event, whether it's in person or it's virtual, we're going to have an event and it's going to be called the Sadie Batty Sanctuary. Fast forward to 2021, 
I was approached by Nike and I was asked to do a collaboration with them. There was kind of a twofold part of the campaign of the collaboration, but the first part was a morning routine video, which was amazing. And it was like a full day production. But the second was doing a project for their NYC studio. And I was on set literally doing this really, really dope, amazing collaboration with the Nike team and also other producers who were um, involved. And I met some such amazing people through that experience. But they actually named that event, that virtual event that we put together, the Saudi Baddie Sanctuary. And it once I realized that this was going to be my first virtual event and people from all over the world were going to be able to tune in and have these really cool interactive experiences and um, win prizes and have connections to resources through this event. I just couldn't believe that this event that I've been manifesting for over two years was actually happening and it was happening with one of the biggest brands in the world and in a way in a production that I couldn't have done if I only did it by myself. So I will always be grateful for that experience because even though the pandemic prevented it from happening it when I wanted it to, it still happened and it happened in a scale that I couldn't have ever imagined. And having a brand partner like Nike really showed me that by still doing the work, still putting in the work, the work to have this happen, nothing is impossible. It really, truly was proof of concept of putting in the action, still planning it out, still doing the work and having that time align for me and for my community to actually execute this. So this was a set like that. This event was so meaningful to me because I knew that without me even thinking about having this event or me continuing to do the work and continuing to put out content and continuing to share resources and have these conversations that would have never happened and it wouldn't have happened without my community either so I'm so grateful for that experience and that was the first time I put together or helped put together a virtual event and since then I've done you know, I've done a lot of virtual events, even a little bit before that, but that was one of the biggest productions that I've ever done. And it really exposed me to how many moving parts there is in a type of virtual or in-person production and how you still need to put in that work in, even if you are working towards something that's two years from now, three years from now, putting in the work in now is what's going to help you to be prepared for that when it actually happens. And then my last experience that I want to share that really is an example of me kind of letting go and trusting that the universe has my best interest, that God has my best interest, that I am fully protected and guided is last year. I mentioned this in the previous episode, how I was laid off really abruptly from my the startup job that I had. And instead of sulking about it, instead of kind of 
making it the damper and the wet blanket of my entire summer, I allowed it to be. I knew that having having that time to reflect, to evaluate, I still wanted to do my best to find new opportunities for work. You know, everyone, (laughs) it's not like I could just, okay, well, I'm just not going to have a job ever and I'm going to just not do anything. But I didn't allow it to stop me from experiencing rest, experiencing different moments that I really wanted to have come into fruition. So even though I was laid off last year, just two months afterwards, by reaching out to my support system, my loved ones and asking for help, I got the fully remote job that I have right now. And and that was something I always wanted. I had written down at the beginning of 2021 that I wanted a fully remote role because working from home has allowed me to take better care of my mental health. It's allowed me to be actually more productive. It's allowed me to learn new skills. And I wanted a fully remote role because I knew that it would give me the work-life balance that I was seeking. And eventually it aligned. As I mentioned, I got the job offer while I was actually on vacation. And that, again, was through me knowing that everything was going to work out. And sometimes it's as simple as talking to yourself as if you were five years old and talking to yourself and understanding that you're somebody that deserves those experiences, those outcomes, you're deserving of them and trusting that things will align and then doing the work too as well. So what I did on my end to make this come into fruition was One, asking for help, but two, also preparing my resume, refreshing my resume, taking interviews, um, updating my LinkedIn, doing the work. It's not like I just sat back and, you know, waited for a referral to be shared. It really was a, a combination of me doing that and asking for help. And because I asked for help, my friend was able to connect me with the referral. But if that, if I hadn't been doing the work and I hadn't been, keeping up and trying to update my professional resume so that I could land a good job, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. And again, the alignment of having somebody that's close to me that is considerate enough to notice when I need help in the first place. So everything really fell into place. Everything fell into line. And I I think that not being too attached to the outcome of what was going to happen after I was laid off was really what helped me to go through that experience. Um, That was in the beginning, very much shocking, uncomfortable, pretty devastating, but also understanding that things are going to work out. It's going to be okay. So if you are curious about how to adopt the lucky girl syndrome or how to start to tap into rewriting your narrative and look at the ways in which you can participate in redirecting your situation. And again, this does not mean that everything that you do is going to be successful. There's some things that I've tried to manifest in my life, or there's some things that I've wanted to happen in my life that has not happened, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that I'm never going to attempt any of this, or I'm never going to practice having positive thinking, because in my life, it's helped me tremendously. 
Number one is to do the digging and examine what limiting beliefs, situations, and circumstances are present in your reality. So what I did in in my scenario back, as I mentioned, in 2017, I had a lot of limiting beliefs. I had certain situations and circumstances that were preventing me from living life fully. And the biggest hurdle from that was not having the, the financial resources to take care of myself the way I wanted to. That's a part of the process is actually acknowledging that and not denying that, but acknowledging it and, and listing out what my current inventory was. Be honest about and upfront about what I wanted to change. There were so many things I wanted to change five, six years ago. There were so many things that I thought I was out of control of. And this is just something that I can't do anything about. I had to sit down and literally write out what it was that I wanted to change and what outcome I really wanted to live out. This this took a lot of discomfort as well. And once I realized that the biggest hurdle for me was having that financial that financial security, I made a focus to make decisions and also align myself with opportunities to have more financial security. So that for me meant maybe starting off with a job that I wasn't in love with. And then as as time grew on, having more opportunities to have better opportunities to have a higher paying role or to have more experiences. And I think having the mentality that you have to start somewhere. Again, if you're in college or you're younger and this is not your reality, that's understandable. However, think about the long-term, the long-term situations and the learn the long-term life experiences you want to have. What is it now? What are you doing now that can help you to align with where you want to be in the future, even if it's not immediate? Number two is to set your intention. Finding out your why and understanding why do you want more money or do you want more time or do you want more better life experiences? Both. Setting your intention and and understanding your why of what you want and why you want it is so important. I understand that for me, I had to figure out what my why was so that I could make actionable steps and have the action items in order to pursue that. And of course, sometimes the baseline is really that simple. You need more money so that you can take better care of yourself and you can take better care of your family or you maybe you want to go on vacation. Whatever it is that your your why is, find it out and be very clear about what your why is and be intentionable about what it is and why you want to make this change in your life. Number three is gratitude. It's to me, one of the most important steps, it's thanking your higher power, the divine God, your source in advance, thanking the universe for putting you in a position where you can be self-aware enough to, to give thanks and be grateful for the opportunity to even rewrite this script. So this to me was really important. And again, like I shared with me losing all of my belongings, my most valuable items, I, in that moment, was devastated, but I still gave thanks in advance. Being grateful in advance means that you know you are going to be grateful 
for the outcome, no matter what it is at the end of the day. So being grateful in advance and being thankful that you have the opportunity to to see where you are at and how it can change, but also being grateful for the times in your lives where things did work out for you. And when you really sit back and you, for example, if you have a gratitude list or you have a moment of your day where you sit and you're just thankful about the opportunities and the situations in your life that did work out. And that could be something as simple as writing a small gratitude list during your morning coffee or walking your dog or doing your skincare routine or making a meal. Having those moments of gratitude is what's going to ground you. In my in my darkest times, having moments and pockets of gratitude has grounded me so much and it has allowed me to get out of my head and look around and see what has actually worked out and shifted that narrative for me in the moment. And sometimes you're not going to feel grateful and sometimes you're going to want to cry and you're going to be upset and you're going to be in a space of not wanting to share gratitude. And you need to allow yourself that too. You're human. You're not always going to be able to see the bright side of things. And I'm not blind to that, but looking at it and when you can be in those spaces of gratitude, I think that's where the magic happens truly. And lastly, lastly, um, doing the work and rooting yourself in community, doing the work and showing up for yourself, doing the work and asking for help and being receptive to help, being intentional with your time. That is how you are able to rewrite your narrative and have positive outcomes come out of your life. If I had not sit, sat down to write out those affirmations six years ago when I was feeling down bad at my worst, I would have never started going to therapy and I would have never started sadie baddies. I would have never started having conversations with people I know and with, with different people all over the world about mental health and how we can help each other. So doing the work and being intentional, asking for help too is, is, is essential because if you don't ask for help, if you don't look around and say, okay, I can't do this myself, but I can maybe ask somebody else to help me, how are you going to get anywhere? This is not supposed to be a self-sufficient type of practice. This also, this affects and, and requires other people in order for this to work. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to be receptive to help and also to to lean in and, and offer help to other people. If you have resources that you know that other people can benefit from, help them out. Offer to donate. Offer to spend time with people who might really need you. And watch how the universe starts to play out when you are not afraid of letting go and, and sharing your resources, sharing your time, donating, giving money, because you know it's going to come back tenfold. You don't have these attachments to the outcomes anymore. And I really think that having that detachment to certain outcomes is really what helps us to stay free and be able to cultivate more positive, lucky girl experiences in our life. So Again, I hope that this episode really helps you and allows you to be curious about manifestation, how to start writing out affirmations, rewriting your narrative, 
And instead of maybe just blindly saying that, oh, I'm so lucky, I'm the luckiest girl in the world, also look at some of the the parts of that conversation that require some accountability. Are you the luckiest girl in the world or do you have people around you that help you to be your fullest? And if so, if that's the case, be grateful for them. Show them love. Show them show them gratitude and and look at the ways and how you can incorporate some of that positive energy and pour it back into the people around you who've helped you get there. And I wish the best for you. I hope that if you're having a rough day or a rough week that it gets better for you. And I'm sending you so much love and stay soft, baddie. To stay connected, join Sadie Baddies on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and more, and sign up for our monthly newsletter on SadieBaddies.com to stay in the loop. Sending you hella love and stay soft, baddie.